Hey, welcome in to the Craig Houston Podcast, where we're talking about the real estate scoop for this week. Hey, you already know I'm already here with my favorite loan officer for the week, each week, every week. Hey, stay tuned. We may even be doing an open house together. You know how this go. Hey, so we'll see. Hey, welcome in, Oscar. How you doing? I'm pretty good, Craig. How about yourself, man? Doing good. Doing good. Hey, we got a jam-packed episode for you today. Uh, we're going to be talking about things that first-term home buyers should consider before they buy. Oscar, how you feel about this subject today? Oh, I feel great about it. It's ready to educate some people, you know, getting them comfortable to purchase their first home. So, you know, the first things that I would like to get out and talk about before we are, as we kick this off, we got six things that we're going to cover today. Um, the first thing is affordability, like affordability when it comes to being purchasing your first home. And it's, it's a big undertaking, right? It's one of those things where the 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 the, pers the the prospective buyer may have you know some type of uh, feelings about how much could they afford don't really know what they can afford what are some things that they can do to actually figure out the affordability yeah Craig when it comes to figuring out how much you know you're able to afford um, it just all depends like what kind of loan product you're using when it comes to a VA loan like since I'm a broker depending on your credit score you can have a you know you can afford up to a 55% debt to income ratio, depending on which lender we go with. So all you have to do is uh, figure out what is, uh, you know, 55% of your gross monthly income. And, you know, once you figure that out, that's how much, you know, monthly house payment that you could afford. But then you also got to factor in your expenses as well. Mm, okay. So like, what do you what do you recommend as uh, as a loan broker uh, for basically when it comes down to actually figuring out? I know you get pre-qualified, right? We already know yeah. affordability comes down to eventually you you come up with a number and say, hey, you are qualified to purchase a home. You can actually purchase up to this much home, right? But when it comes down to the, do you all do you as a loan broker do you always ask the client what do you want your loan payment to be, or do you just say, hey, this is what you can actually afford? Yeah. So it all, yeah. So uh, it just, it depends. Like we send out a pre-approval letter, like I, how I do it. I send out the maximum pre-approval that they could, you know, technically purchase, but it all comes down to it. I asked them how, you know, what are you comfortable paying monthly? Right. Okay. So, and then, so let's talk about what's, what's included in that monthly payment. Um, so we, we already know it's actually got to be the mortgage that you're going to be paying back on the loan, right? Whatever the yep. interest rate is. And then that gives you your, your, your payment, but what other things are included in that payment? Yeah, so your mortgage is consisted of like four things, um, five things if you count like uh, mortgage insurance. But uh, for the four four things is principal, interest, uh, homeowners insurance, and uh, taxes. Okay. So and then the HOA they have an HOA that's paid yeah. separately outside of your loan, right? Yeah. So whenever like uh, when a when a lender gives you a quote for a more uh, monthly payment, they're not going to factor in that HOA fee because it's completely separate. Okay, so for those who don't know what HOA is, just to be clear here, homeowners associations, or even if you live in a condo, you may have a condo association fee, which may have to be paid separately outside of that out of that uh, payment. Now, so affordability is key. That's the first thing that we have to talk about. But then secondly, as a real estate agent, I always ask clients, you know, location, where do you want to stay? Because like no one can ever tell me that they don't ever, they've never heard the words location, location, location. Like that's principle to anything because the, the way that you can afford is going to be determined on where it's at because the land is more valuable in certain areas. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. When it comes to like FHA loans, they have, uh, you know, certain county limits. 
So depending on where you're trying to shop for a home, if you're going to do a FHA loan, the county limits are different. And also when it comes to VA loans as well, um, there are uh, loan limits as well. Like, you know, for Virginia, is there's one specific uh, loan limit. And then in Texas, there's a different loan limit. So, uh, yeah, just really do some research on where you're trying to buy. So, okay, so let's talk about loan limits just for a second. I don't want to spend too much time on them, but let's just, let's just give an example of a loan limit, right? So when you say that there are two different, they're like there may be a different loan limit in Texas versus what's in Virginia, is this based on uh, locality of the county? Because it may be a more expensive county that you may be actually moving to, which would require you to have to uh, be able to afford more affordability of a home at the end of the day? Yeah, well, so I think um, for each state, on the VA loan, it's only for a state like, oh, in Virginia, it's this okay. amount, and for Texas, it's this amount. And then when it comes to FHA, it's uh, more like a city. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah. so based on based on whatever state that you're moving to, it depends on how how much the cost of living is there. So that rate, yeah. so that, that, that affordability may go a little bit higher based on your loan limit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think location is important because right now yeah. what I see is like when I, as I do home evaluations and I, I, I talk to people, like Virginia Beach, premium premium land. Like anything that you get yeah. in the Virginia Beach, you're paying pretty much top top tier dollar for. Chesapeake oh, yeah. in, in Hampton Roads is going to be another area just like that. And what I've been recently seeing, I actually seen um, last week, I saw four listings that sold in Williamsburg and they all uh, sold for over asking. Really so now. that tells me, yeah. So that tells me that land, certain land in Williamsburg is actually still being sold at a premium right now. And people are competing for it. Uh, what's going on in Williamsburg, Craig? I have no clue. Like, I was surprised. Like, I literally, you know, like, what I do is, uh, as an agent, I typically try to wake up early in the morning. And I try to go through the sold for the previous days or a couple days previous so I can just see what's actually selling. And really, it's kind of gives me a mark. So I'm also looking for my clients or my potential clients or neighborhoods that they're actually living in to kind of see what the comparison is for those the values, the homes that they have. and Recently, I came across them in Williamsburg. I was like, three out of the three out of the last four homes I've seen in Williamsburg, they all sold for over asking. One of them sold for over twenty thousand over asking, and in this type of market, yeah, in this type of so that agent is they agent did a really good job for their they clients. Yeah, one time. Yeah, yeah. I bet their their clients probably you know super happy right now. <laughs> right. So let's talk about um, the next uh, next subject: home conditions. Right. Home conditions can be uh, imperative. So I, I, I usually, we've seen, a, let's talk about this. We've seen a spike from 2020 to 20, early 2022 where home conditions was not being really taken into consideration. And really and truly, we've seen a lot of uh, home inspections being waived at that point in time. Now, as a as an agent, I would always go against the grain of saying don't get a home inspection done you need to get the home inspection done because you don't really know what you're undertaking as a home when you're as a homeowner that you're going to be dealing with if you actually take this loan on but in certain cases certain loan types make it where you have to have a home inspection or at least when the appraisal done the appraisal takes into consideration the home condition and gives you criteria that you need to meet is that correct yeah, that is correct. When it comes to VA loans, like you, you need to get an appraisal. Like you, you can't do an appraisal waiver on a VA loan. That's just not a thing. And the uh, one thing that comes with that too is like, you know, they're only going to lend money to something that's worth lending, right? So let's say like uh, the home is, uh, you know, selling for 250 
and the appraisal comes back at 230, you know, you're going to have to cough up that extra, you know, uh, $20,000 just to, you know, buy the home in, in that case. Yeah, you know, I learned a, I learned a fancy term, which it, I don't even know if it's fancy. Let's not even say it's fancy. But I did learn a term when um, I was actually going through my home process because my appraisal value did come back at the um, at the at the sales uh, at the ratified contract listing price. OK, right? so I heard the word tide water and I said, what the hell is tide water? Tide water. Like that's the first thing. Like I got the email from my from my lender. Hey, this appraisal came back in, in, in possible tide water. And I'm like, like tide water, like Virginia or like. <laughs> Ty, like what? What does that mean? And I kind of find out. Tide water is a is a real estate term that people use for when they say that the home is not going to appraise for the value that was agreed to. And I'm like, well, why did they? How did they even come to that term? But whatever, that's the term. So um, let's talk about appraisal gaps because that's what I know. We're not in that market right now, but appraisal gaps was a thing at one point in time where basically, like you said, if you you agree to a contract yeah. and say the offer price is four hundred thousand. And but the appraisal comes back at 390. The appraisal comes back at 390. Now your tide water is ten thousand dollars, or your appraisal gap is ten thousand dollars. People was negotiating appraisal gaps earlier on to say I would cover whatever the appraisal value was up to this value amount. Where basically yeah. you could say if it didn't come, if it didn't hit the appraised value, I would give you another five thousand over the, the appraised value that it actually comes to if it don't meet the requirement of the contract. Got it. Funny you say that because that's how I actually ended up submitting an offer on my duplex. Because um, so we went over uh ten thousand. We're gonna give ten thousand dollars above that appraised value, you know. But mm -hmm. it was you know it was listed for two thirty eight, and uh, we were gonna you know go up ten grand. But luckily the VA appraiser, you know, appraised the property at two forty eight, so I didn't have to cough up that ten extra grand. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I had to cop that ten grand up a mine. I had the same issue. I had to. I said I would guarantee ten thousand over asking, well, over appraisal value if it didn't reach the appraised value. Man, it, it didn't. So I had to give them ten grand. So, no. but I mean, <laughs> it is what it is, right? Like it, yeah. it was. It was the type of market that we was in, and even even agents and lenders, they're not. A, they're not. You know, a, a, they're not going to be exempt from it at all. So you have to deal with what the market gives you at that point in time, and this was the type of market that we was in. So that. But let's talk about the home condition just a bit more here about what are some of the things that can deter a loan from actually going through when it comes to home condition? When it comes to home condition, I know with, because uh, uh, I mostly just do VA. With VA, I know like as little as, you know, like handrails on properties, you know, you got to get that taken care of before you, you even, uh, you know, get a loan approved when it comes to VA loans. Mm. So like if the, if the, if the VA, so the VA determines through their appraised, they because okay, so let's go back one more step because I, I don't want to skip some. So a, a regular appraiser, or a, a regular appraiser, is different than a VA appraiser, right? Yeah, yeah. You got to be certified it, it, to actually do VA or VA property loans, right? Yep, that is true. That is true. And then, uh, yeah, I heard they're way more strict when it comes to you know not more strict, but they have like more I guess guidelines they have to follow. When right, they have a bigger check. They have a bigger checklist yeah. to go through than just a regular appraisal that you're going to get on the home. So to me, and then they're not only, and they're evaluating the safety and the condition of the home to make a, a recommendation to the lender if any repairs may need to be made prior to uh, ratifying the loan. Yep, that is right. That is right. Okay, so have you ran into that issue yet? 
No, I ha- luckily I haven't ran into that issue yet when it comes to those VA loans. So hey, this could be something that could be uh, this could be a that that type of condition could actually turn into where it's actually something outside of what you're already going to owe for closing if you have to pay closing costs yourself as well too, right? Say that again, Kirk. So this could also turn into where the home condition, uh, like say the home condition needed repairs, this could be almost like a closing cost situation where it'll be outside of closing costs where you may have to get a repair done before you actually go to close. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. You know what? You you could do that too because uh, in my last my last VA transaction, like they had to get some repairs done on the window, and they settled that stuff outside of closing costs. It just mm. couldn't be done at the closing table. You know, cash okay. can't be cash can't be um transferred over to closing table. Right. To, okay. Yeah. So that's that's what that's my thing is like you got to make sure that you are finding the home that fits you, but the VA also is not going to take on the responsibility of a home that they don't feel is going to going to be able to be resold or give you the upkeep that it's supposed to give you. Yeah, they, yeah, they definitely want to you know you know give you money as long as the property you know worth borrowing against. So another part of uh, actually a first time home buyer um, figuring out things they need to do before figure out things before purchasing a home. It's future plans, like future plans. Like, are you going to be staying here for a while? Is your job going to make you move in a, uh, in, in a few months or maybe a year or two? Or even growing your family? Are you getting enough home that if your family grow right now, are you okay with a starter home or do you need a little bit bigger of a place before uh, you actually start to grow your family out? Like, these are things that need to be considered as well, too, for future planning. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, you know, especially yeah, because buying a home is definitely like an emotional decision, and it's one of the biggest decisions you'll ever make in your life. So you really want to kind of plan out. Oh, how's my life going to look five years from now? Oh, what kind of state of mind am I in? Am I, you know, okay to purchase this home? Am I doing this uh, big financial purchase just because everybody around me are doing big financial purchases? So that's one thing I would say to people when it comes down to that too. Yeah, so you know, like uh, the average time span that somebody stays in a home, um, I think before, I think under the age of fifty is about four to seven years. Um, so if you typically people have moved or upgraded home or downsized home during these time frames, um, so it just depends on the type of home that you need at that point in time. So taking into your future plans is something that's always going to be. Uh, I would recommend to always understand where you're at in life and understand what type of season of life that you're in. So you're not, you know, making rational, uh, irrational decisions when it yeah. comes to uh, purchasing a home. And you don't want to be in a situation where you turn upside down. Like, for instance, I know I know a customer who actually is trying to sell their home at four hundred and thirty four thousand and they uh, purchased the home last year at three hundred eighty and homes in the neighborhood are going for about three ninety. There's no way they're getting four thirty four. Right. Yeah. So. Um, and, and, and they're oblivious to the point that they're not going to get 434. And like, I think they have to understand too, that they're either going to take it at a loss if they're going to actually get rid of the home or they're going to have to stay in the home longer than they expected to stay in the home. Yeah. That's, that's one thing too, with, uh, I guess like, uh, sellers right now, you know, people, they probably think we're still stuck like a year, two years ago where they think they can get, you know, not top dollar, but whatever homes were being listed at that time, you know? They think they can just put it on the market and it'll sell, but yeah, we're not we're not in those times anymore. <laughs> no, we are not, and we're not even close to those times anymore. And so, to like, I think we. I, this is what I was saying um, last week as I was uh, 
talking about it on Instagram is that price stabilization is happening in rent. And what we're saying with price stabilization happening in rent, I think you're going to see home prices stabilize at a certain level where we may only go up two to three percent over a couple years here before it starts to see you know a bigger uptick in certain markets. But that that still lends itself to where we're at today, where you have to understand your future plans, understand where you're at significantly, understand you know what type of loan vehicle that you actually have. Because it's a difference between doing a VA loan at 100% uh, 100% uh, loan to value, where the VA covered everything with zero money down, to where you may do a conventional loan and you only put 80% down. They only put 80% down and you put 20% down. Your loan to value is different at that point in time. So the equity that you have may be a, a slightly different than what you would have with a VA type or FHA type loan. Yeah, that is true. Your loan will be totally different. Your monthly payment will be totally different. It's literally whatever, uh, you know, that's what one thing we ask is like, oh, what monthly payment are you comfortable with? What, uh, you know, first things I ask, oh, have you ever served in the military? Because like that dictates whether if you're going to go VA or conventional, you know, just depending on what your credit score is. And um, yeah, it, it's super drastic because if you're going to finance, you know, a, v, a VA loan, that's 100% finance. That's a, when you're going to four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars, like, you know, price point. That's a that's a big monthly payment, you know. Right, right. now, right now, um, a year, you know, with today's interest rates, which is which is not bad. It's like you know, low five, low mid fives right now. But uh, yeah, you know, like as we talk about future planning. So this is something that I would say too. If you feel, and this is what I want people to consider as we talk about this. If interest rates ever come back to a level where it's three, three and a half, four percent, I want you to pay attention to if you felt like you was in the market to, to buy a home. Think about it really hard if you're going to miss that opportunity again, because I was looking at a closing disclosure today where yeah. someone had a two point five, two point seven percent interest rate loan on a five hundred thousand dollar home. They was paying twenty one hundred dollars a month. For that five hundred thousand dollar home today, that twenty one hundred a month, that's like what in the three seventy fives, four hundreds. Shoot, dude, I, I would say even like three hundred, three hundred thousand, bro. What three hundred thousand? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll, Man. Dude, dude, I'll, I'll say like three, yeah, three ten. Cause I, I had a buddy who was a, uh, cause I did a quick like uh, you know, uh, a quick loan loan quote loan estimate, you know. And uh, I sent that over. He was looking around like three hundred thousand, and it was like twenty one hundred month for the monthly payment. Yeah, it's like three ten. What? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So this almost one. I, that's I, almost one. Yeah. One and a half times the amount of house that someone could afford in twenty twenty two. But yeah, it was a VA loan though, so it was a hundred percent finance. This was the VA loan. Oh, okay. Hundred percent. Hundred percent loan to value. And it literally was $2,100. And this person had their property taxes waived. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, property. Yeah, property. So they, so they didn't pay no property taxes. Though. They didn't pay no property taxes. No. All right. So, right, so, yeah. So, yeah. That, that kind of, that helps out. That, that helps out. Yeah. So, it should have been about 2400 But they yeah. literally got their property taxes. So, they about 2100 But still, okay. like, even if, in comparison, that is ridiculous 300,000 yeah oh that's, that's ugly <laughs> oh that's ugly man okay so okay let's talk about um let's talk about the next topic here 
which this goes back into what we talked about when it came to what your mortgage payment is uh, comprises of, but that is a homeowner's insurance. Uh, what's your thoughts on homeowner's insurance? I say that again, Craig. What's your thoughts on homeowner's insurance? Homeowner's insurance, um, you know, it, you know, you factor that in on a loan estimate whenever uh, we get, you know, whenever somebody comes to us to get pre-approved, I factor that into their monthly payment. And depending on the price point of the home, you know, we kind of have like, a, you know, a chart of like, okay, this is how much they pay for this amount, this is how much they pay for that amount. And you just have to be transparent as a, as a buyer, you know, as a client, you have to be transparent with your loan officer. Because I had a situation with this, uh, with this lady who uh, was trying to shop for homeowner's insurance. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I quoted her at this um, for home, her homeowner's insurance. But come to find out when she was applying to these insurance companies, she filed claims like a year ago, you know, and I didn't know about it. Mm. So obviously when um, she got her, you know, her quote from this insurance company, it was a lot higher than what I quoted her. So mm. uh, her, her, you know, so that monthly payment that I told her no longer applies, you know, because this is her monthly payment now. And she was really upset about it. But um, at the end of the day, it just comes down to transparency, you know, because that's one thing a lot of people don't take in consideration is like, oh, it's just my it's just my homeowner's insurance. You know, it won't affect anything, but it, it really oh, yeah. does. It, it does. because You got to pay for uh, I, I, on a VA. I don't know on a on a conventional. Correct me if I'm wrong, but on a VA, you have to. You have to pay the full year of the yeah. homeowner's insurance up front, right? Yeah, yeah, it's with yeah with any loan conventional FHA, yeah. So that that significantly can have a big difference in how much you're actually going to be paying in your mortgage payment. Yeah, yeah, it, it really does. And let's say you know they're at their their max limit. Let's say two thousand dollars is their you know monthly payment. That's their max. Um, and if they have a little bit slightly higher homeowner's insurance, let's say you know it takes on fifty more bucks. You know, that could make or break a deal, you know, for some people. Mm. Wow. Okay. So homeowners insurance is important. And I really do think everyone should have it. If you don't have it, I will make sure. I mean, to protect yourself, like the lender is going to be protected no matter what. But you got to protect yourself, too, because if you don't, you might you may wind up without a, without a home and nowhere to stay. Like it's a home, it was a home in my neighborhood. It caught on fire like as we as soon as we had moved in and they their house is still not put back together. So I don't know where they're living at. Yeah, I don't know where they're living at. It caught on bad, fight bad. They wasn't home, luckily, but literally they're not. Their home is still got. You can still see the wood in their house because they would put everything back up and frame it. So I wonder if I wonder if the homeowner homeowners insurance like gives them the money to go relocate, or do they fix that one home? <laughs> I think they have. To, I think they have to. Um, I think they relocate them to like a hotel or Airbnb or extended stay type of place, and then until they get all the investigation and everything gets done to repair the home. Yeah, that might that might take a long time. Yeah, like it's been over. We we moved here in July. I would say that happened in August or September. So they haven't been. They they definitely have not been in their home since then. Yeah, that's sad. That's sad. Yeah, it is. It is. But that's why it's, it's important to have a homeowner's insurance and to have make sure you have the right type of coverage. Because when I can tell you, like when I got my first, I don't think it was. I don't think it was this home. I think it was the home before where like. They was like the the quote that they give you for rebuilding your home is is never as much as you actually paid for it. Like I don't know if that happened really? to you or not. Yeah, yeah. Like say the value of my home, say the home I the home I purchased in San Diego was three forty. Like okay. they were like, oh, the re, they was like, oh, to rebuild that it will be 
315000 And I'm like, okay. why? Like, why would Because the material, but you would think it would be more because materials are going to get more expensive over the time. So they're like, yeah, to rebuild that, it'd be like 350. So why am I going to? So I bought the house at 340, but you tell me to rebuild it, it's going to cost me 315. That don't sound right to me. So you need to make sure you have the right coverage. See, I think I even went over. I said, you know, I'd rather pay a little bit more to have more coverage just in case the house, something was happening to it just to make sure that it's rebuilt back, at least to the spec that I thought it should be built back to. So, I don't know. You got to be careful with these homeowners. I'm sure they will try to quote you some weird things and when it comes to rebuilding these yeah. problems. Yeah, that Maybe we should have an insurance company on and have them talk to us about that. Why Why does it thing? Yeah. yeah, we could. Yeah, we could definitely do that because I have questions now. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how it was. I don't, I don't think it was like that. For, it may have been like that for this house, too. But it, it's really weird, like, how they come up with these equations for it. Yeah, yeah, it is weird, but now I'm like thinking about it because I saw this episode. It's still around real estate, but I saw this episode of Hoarders, and it, the house was so bad. They were like, "It won't be cheaper for us to tear down this home and rebuild it than to, uh, you know, just like go in there and uh, fix everything up." And yeah. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> like I know for when I, and then two things that happened differently with these two home purchases when I was in San Diego and I bought that house in San Diego, an adjuster came out to the house and took measurements and everything. Ain't nobody came up to this house and took yeah. no measurements since I moved in. So I don't really know what was the difference between, you know, getting uh, insurance in one state to the other. But that was really weird to me, too, that, that that hasn't been a thing either. So I guess it just depends on the state, maybe. But those those are the things that we talked about. Well, our last segment is um, our last segment on this topic of what first time home buyers should consider before purchasing their first home is closing costs. What do you want to talk about on closing costs? Closing costs, you can do. Let's say if you if you're not trying to pay closing costs, you can either you know team up with a really good agent like Craig. He can help you. He can help you with closing costs, or you know you could also do uh, with closing costs. You can get your closing costs co covered in exchange for a higher interest rate if that's what you want to do. Really? Can, yeah. How much higher? Like two percent higher? It just, like so i'm a broker so you know we have different coupons you yeah yeah negotiated right yeah so it's just like oh this dude's you know okay this you know half a point higher this guy's giving me you know three grand back you know what i mean stuff like mm. that and then th this other lender's probably you know half a point but only 500 bucks you know it, it just all depends man what whatever uh the rates are doing that day got you so like to me like closing costs i would feel like it depends on the type of market that you're in, but like, let's say we was in the, like in the aggressive market that we was in in earlier 2022, you had to come with six percent, pretty much, really and truly cover, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, luckily for me, like when I bought my home, like uh, it was a multi, the multifamily unit, um, and I, some of my closing costs got covered because the seller ended up giving me, you know, first month's rent and the security gotcha. deposits. So they rolled that into the closing cost. So I only brought like four grand to the closing table, which isn't bad. But yeah, when it comes to that aggressive market, I feel like, yeah, the only way that you can actually get your closing closing costs covered, let's say, um, yeah, just, you know, ex exchange your rate for a, a little bit higher interest rate and, you know, you'll get a lender's credit to help you out mm. with that. Yeah. I mean, man, that's crazy. Yeah. I, oh, so I'm in the process of just like thinking to myself, I got three more houses to close on by 20. 30. So I got to come up at least with another $30,000, hopefully, to just do those three houses on those deals that I want to do. So we'll see. Like, I think that's what you got to think about when it comes to that. You got to definitely know, calculate what your closing cost is going to be. 
for each uh, property that you're going to try to actually oh, purchase or go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, yeah. Closing costs, like just to get like the general rule of thumb, closing costs is usually like 3% of the sale price of the home. Right. Just for, right. Just yeah. for the viewers out there. I like and so then you take into consideration earnest money deposit. That may be another 3%. Oh, too. Yeah. So that's why you probably need to have 6% just to uh, cover your basis just in case of any loose ends that may come up. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't, if it doesn't wind up being around that percentage, you're going to get a check back. So it was it's like you. Go ahead. When it comes when it comes to that earnest money deposit, um, like what? So I've heard two different. So like, what is the price point? Like each price point has a different like earnest money deposit, right? Is that true? So I don't know if that's true, but it the but I know some of the listings that um. I had to get back on that what, that question. That's a good question, but I know some of the listings from what I've been looking at in the MLS. Some tell you exactly how much earnest money deposit is actually needed to actually even have the offer considered. Got right? it. Okay. Yeah. Some of them will say 1%, some uh, 1% of the purchase price, or some will say a thousand dollars. It'll tell you in certain cases how much the earnest money deposit needs to be to make <clears> the deal even be considered. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. But I, don't, I don't think there's no fast and locked in rule to what it needs to be a certain percent of it. But for a lot of, I know during last year, a lot of the agents were saying, Hey, um, Three percent. It shows that you are you are an aggressive buyer and that you're really interested in this property. So, damn. That's yeah, a lot. yeah, right. And, it, and it's pretty much like like it's pretty much a closing cost, right? Like yeah. at that point in time, right? So it's, it's crazy. Like uh, I was like, damn, three three percent. Like like three percent on like a certain case. Like, even if you put a one percent, like let's say it's one percent, right? One percent on a house that's three hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's three. That's three and a half grand. Yeah, that's a lot of money, man. And yeah. especially when, especially when you get to five hundred thousand dollars price point, that's fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy, man. Yeah, I could. So that's what a lot of a lot of fast moving things was happening in this market, and people was doing whatever they could just to even lock in on the property. So that's I I, I don't know. I don't, I think that you got to think about it from an instance that you do need to have about six percent, but usually you're going to typically need about four percent of that to close on the house completely. Um, what do you think? So, yeah. So, you know, you were saying how people were doing everything to get a house um, back in that market. Um, I read something that a lot of people have like buyer's remorse now when it comes to your purchase. I'm not I'm not surprised by that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised by that. And here's the reason why. OK, man, wait, this is a good I, this is this is a good topic. I wouldn't be surprised by it because to me, this is what I believe happened. Right. This is why I think people are getting better value right now at these higher interest rates. And people look at me like I'm crazy when I say that. Right. But during that time frame, interest rates being so low. Think about this. People either one, they did two things. Either they refinanced a property that was not their primary. They refinanced their primary property. They refinanced their second property. They invested properties, whatever. Right. But then, like I say, in 2020, you you you, re, you refinance those properties. You, you got your cash back. Yeah. 2021 comes or 2022 comes you're like shoot i ain't gonna make that money back ever again let me just offload this and make some more money on top of it yeah so now you so they've gotten rid of all the junk properties that they didn't want in their portfolio anymore and they offloaded those to somebody else who was waving appraisal waving property inspections like all the contingencies that would save you right like because you wanted this home so bad yeah and now you got that home and you didn't have a pro you didn't have a, a home inspection, you didn't have an appraisal done, and all those things are now showing up to bite you in the behind. 
because you didn't really know what your home was worth and you didn't know what was really underneath the hood when you purchased it. Yeah. So to me, I can see bright, I can see buyer's remorse because right now all the value homes, the homes worth value are in the market right now on sale, but it's at a higher interest rate. So you're like, but people are going through the 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 the, the right things, right? You are seeing expired listings more. We're seeing withdrawn listings more, and we're starting to see for sale by owners to start to shrink a lot. So we're we're seeing the market act the way that it should, but it's one of those things where they didn't give each they didn't they didn't realize what they were dealing with. So to me, I think you're getting a more quality quality home in this market than you was earlier on. Now now that depends too, right? If you was buying in the higher price points. You probably got a good deal still, right? But but really truly, if you're buying in $350, $250 value range during that time, you probably got a junk deal. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. Now that you say that, yeah. I could I could definitely see that. Luckily, like I had a good agent. He he told me not to, you know, he didn't peer pressure me. Oh, you need to waive an appraisal. Well, I mean I couldn't with the VA loan. But he was like, you know, he didn't tell me to, you know, waive the home inspection. He was just like, uh, I would suggest you get a home inspection. It's like, okay. Yeah, I mean, this home this home was built in 2020, and so I was the second owner of it. So I waived the property inspection on it because it was brand new. It, was, it, was, yeah. it just came from underneath warranty. So I was like, yeah, it, it ain't if it's something wrong with this, goddamn, I got I got I got robbed on a on a brand new home, pretty much. You know what I mean? The person didn't even stay here like a year and a half. So I was like, that that doesn't make sense. And I bought a home warranty, so I like everything is under home warranty. So I just got it. go with home warranty and be safe that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, the thing too is like so, when you purchase a home, make sure you know figure out if you have a home warranty too, because sometimes they they give you a home warranty and then you like when it expires, you get something in the mail, and then you never realize that you had a home warranty, which is right. That's what that's what, that's what happened to me. <laughs> oh man, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, I already used that joint. I had the electrician come out for that joint. I'd rather pay one hundred twenty five dollars than four hundred fifty dollars an hour. Any day yeah. of the week, you know what I mean. So yeah, I, I mean it's it's good. Like you definitely know that about that. But I do I do agree with you that a lot of people probably do have buyer's remorse because that market is totally different than what it is now. Like yeah, junk portfolios was getting getting offloaded, and I think a lot of people took them. They yeah, did not know what they true. was getting. I, I probably I would say if I bought a bought a single family home, I probably would have had buyer's remorse because like. I'm just kind of like stuck here, you know. We're not stuck here, but I'm just like, okay, it's a single family home. I'm this is my primary residence. I think I, because I I acted super quick when I uh, wanted to buy a duplex. Like I I was like, okay, I want to do this, and then maybe a month later, I had a duplex already. Like it was kind of crazy how fast like I implemented the steps. But um, yeah, I think doing doing what I did, like house hacking, that's the only that's the only reason I don't have buyer's remorse. I mean, that's a whole episode in itself talking about house hacking because I know a lot of uh, service members. I know a lot of people who want to get into homes early on. They really want to talk about house hacking or they think house hacking is for them. And maybe we should just have a conversation about the house hacking next time. So that way we can give them uh, insight into how Oscar see house hacking could be beneficial to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, so yeah, that's that's it. So I mean, that's our that's our um, that's our uh, tips for today, right? When it comes to being a first time home buyer um, and what you should consider before you buy: affordability, right? Location, home conditions, future plans, homeowners insurance, and then uh, closing costs. All those should be considered 
uh, as you uh, making your plans to actually buy your first home as a first time home buyer. Anything else to add to that, Oscar? No, I think I think that's it. I'm I'm just excited for next week's episode on house hacking. <laughs> oh yeah, we got to get into house hacking next week. So uh, once again, this is the real estate scoop. If you have not yet joined us or have subscribed to the channel or even definitely just follow the, the podcast, you need to go ahead and do that because we're going to continue to bring you high actionable items like we do each and every week. And comment below and let us know what other things that we should provide you uh, commentary on as well that you find value in or that you want to have questions about that you need to get answers to. And like I always say, hey, hit that like button and definitely in the next video. Y'all stay safe. All right. Thank you, Kirk, for having me, man. Hey, appreciate it.